there's a very um, famous scene in it, which is the, are you really still or have you frozen? <laughs> you guys are making a podcast. For this. Welcome to the podcast nobody asked for with me, Ian Harris, and me, Graham Jones. And this week we are flexing our collective muscles and talking through the strongest movie villains we could defeat, which is an interesting one. I, I think people are really going to see where our uh, esteem and confidence lies on this one. I'm definitely relying on my my brains more than my brawn. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. I think mine are just all, you know, it's just a series of caveats and disclaimers, which I'm hoping means I win things. But we could, we'll be fine. It's good. I could take that. That sounds like your strategy for fantasy football, I think. Caveats so that you could hope you can win things. I mean, that just is fantasy sport, isn't it? (laughs) It's why I run leagues. It's great. It's, well, actually, no, I get, I get a bonus point for this one because it was played on a Thursday. And as we know, when there's a northerly wind on a Thursday, my guys get extra points. It's just, it just makes sense. But I'm going to come on to this in my movie recommendation. So, actually, fuck it. Let's get that out of the way early, shall we? So, on, this week is my movie recommendation nobody asked for. And because we are talking through uh, us defeating villains and fighting and all of that, I thought I would pick the film that has the best fight scene. So before I announce mine, what do you think the best fight scene is? For you. Like, I'm not asking you to guess what my choice is. Ooh. But w- what's your favourite fight scene? I still I still really... I know we discussed this on a previous episode when I wanted Tarantino to direct this, but I still... like Helm's Deep still holds a, holds a place yeah. in my heart. I think that that's... That's one of like the big, large-scale battle fight scenes that really... I mean, there wasn't too much like it at that scale when it came out, right? It was quite groundbreaking. Oh, yeah, definitely. There was, there was kind of the ones where they tried to do that scale, but you could see it was actually only really 40 guys in a field. Yeah, but yeah, I think that's got, that's got to be up there. Oh, what I loved with Helm's Deep as well, it's just interspersed with the whole trees fucking up Isengard bit as well which i love yeah i also thought you were gonna stop at trees fucking i was like what did i miss i haven't watched yeah, the that's... extended cuts to be fair so oh yeah well on the uh, <laughs> on the seven hour extended cut of two towers there is there's a lot of tree romancing it's it's basically an entire film in its own can we think of a bad tree pun there has to be a tree pun for that uh pro oak back mount no can you can you just can you leave it leave leave it out please Ian? Hey, hey, something about bark. <laughs> so, so my favorite fight scene and my movie recommendation nobody asked for is from The Legend of Drunken Master, which is a 1994 Jackie Chan movie. It's actually Drunken Master 2, but it was released in the West as The Legend of Drunken Master, and it's Jackie Chan doing a kung fu or not it's not actually a kung fu it is a style of kung fu called drunken boxing nice is is it like troll 2 and there's not actually any drunken masters in it (laughs) yeah and it's not the sequel to (laughs) drunken master it's just completely sober amateurs they just live in a town that's that's um drunken master backwards 
<laughs> yeah, which I'm not going to try and pronounce. No. But it's uh, so Jackie Chan is caught in a battle between smugglers who are trying to steal ancient artifacts and loyalists who want to save these treasures from leaving the country, basically. And it's fucking amazing. So it's Jackie Chan at his most Jackie Chan. So it's really, really fun. It's really, really over the top. There's, you know, random bits of furniture and stuff used. And the final scene in it is possibly one of the best fight scenes I've ever seen. It's fucking brilliant. And what's really weird as well is Mm -hmm. if you watch the kind of the dubbed American version of it, Mm -hmm. Jackie Chan dubs himself. So you're hearing Jackie Chan. Mm-hmm. You're watching Jackie Chan, but his words aren't lining up to what he's saying. Okay with you, yeah, yeah. And it's it's one of the biggest mind fucks. It's the first time I, I watched it was flicking channels after a night out and it was on some random TV thing uh TV thing, TV channel at like half one in the morning, and I just couldn't quite figure out why something wasn't right. It's like, well it's not it's not dubbed because it's Jackie Chan. But yeah. Strongly, strongly recommend Legend of Drunken Master. It's fucking brilliant. The Matrix had a lot of good fight scenes on. I'm not sure if I could. I, I, I would. I mean, with drunken boxing, I'd probably think I was doing it if I'd been drinking. But no, you just Matrix. Be, we could. It's just a video game. Flailing and falling over. Matrix, Matrix. But I mean, we've we've mentioned the Matrix a lot, and look, I don't want to tread over old ground. But if people didn't want to watch Legend of the Drunken Master two, what else could they watch instead? So, so Legend of Drunken Master is obviously uh, phys- physical fighting. It's physical threat. So I thought, what film is more kind of, you know, it's, it's more of a mental conflict. You know, people breaking down your, your mental barriers and everything. And I thought, hey, you know what? You know who does that a lot? Cults. And you know what is a great film about cults? Midsummer. So I would also recommend everybody watch Midsummer, which heartbreakingly was taken off Prime like last week. Oh yeah. I I got I did get a little bit emotional about it. I've got the um I have the Blu-ray director's cut. So as soon as I mean technically now we could go watch it in a field together, but my my laptop doesn't have a disk drive actually, so we couldn't. So as soon as yeah. as soon <laughs> I I remember disk drives. <laughs> As soon as as soon as we can, we'll have to we'll have to put that on. And actually, in the in the spirit of the episode, do you think you could defeat a full commune of Swedish cultists? Well, as we've said repeatedly, basically episodically, uh, it takes place in just brilliant daylight, so they've got nowhere to hide. So I think I could pick a couple off. Yeah. Plus, there's a, you um, know the people that like doing like risky base jumping. I mean. Risky base jumping sounds like a <laughs> terrible, terrible like, I, I, or, or not terrible. Maybe like an early Taika Waititi film. <laughs> oh, I, I was, I was thinking like a, a Jackass sketch or something. <laughs> this is dangerous base jumping, <laughs> and then they go all Cannibal Corpse because you get a bit of hammer smashed face. That is a niche extreme metal joke. That's extremely niche. <laughs> I could have I could have made jokes about worse Hannibal Corp songs to be fair. Uh but yeah. So this episode down that route. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on. I I've already d- joked about <laughs> on this podcast before. <laughs> it's fine. I'll 
I'll beep that one out as well. <laughs> so, without further ado, we enter. Shall, shall we, we'll go full boxing. So, round one. Greg, over to you for your first strongest movie villain you could defeat. This villain placed 39th on AFI's 100 Years 100 Villains list. So, this nice. puts her higher than Freddy Krueger, who's ranked 40th. Hans Gruber is ranked 46th, and Goldfinger ranked 49th. So, you know, this is a this is a heavy hitter. I'm going to have to... Bo, Bowie's in the same room as me, so I'm going to have to kind of keep this a little bit quiet because he might, you know, I don't want to upset him too much. Um, Bowie is Graham's dog. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's a French bulldog, and he's an absolute bastard. <laughs> a lovable bastard. He is a, a lovable bastard. bastard, yeah. Who is currently passed out genuinely upside down because his butt is currently higher than his head. Yeah, we've 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 mentioned it before, but it is worth saying on the record again for any new listeners we may have accrued. If you occasionally hear a strange noise in the background of an episode, which kind of sounds like either like a wailing spirit asking to be <laughs> let free, or it sounds like, I don't know, Graham lives with a six foot six asthmatic sailor who is asleep <laughs> and snoring in the corner it's neither of those it is a very small french bulldog <laughs> who is the loudest snorer possibly on the planet oh and i've shared a room with you before and you calling anyone a loud snorer is an impressive uh, impressive uh, accusation just it's just something something i know yeah anyway quite a quite a large digression there but the fact that I, I do want to make sure not to, to offend his, I would say little ears, but they're massive, is is pertinent to, to the villain that I'm going to talk about. So she's she's got a lot of money, well-connected, London heiress, nonetheless. And that villain is Disney's Cruella de Vil. Nice. So of obviously 101 and 102 Dalmatians. Okay, are, we, are we going, is this animated, Graham? defeating her is it the live action one no we're, we're going then close nice nice because i think there's element but with with my um with my tactics there's elements of realism that we need to we need to employ here so just to put in like quite how despicable she is she had her taxidermist whose name is mr skinner um <laughs> which is fantastic sorry i i i Got a lot of time for that. <laughs> she had him skin a white tiger from London Zoo for her, so she could have a rug. So she's got a rap sheet, right? And a and a rug. <laughs> and a rug. <laughs> but I'm not going to really. It's not a huge amount. I'm just going to call the RSPCA in. Like <laughs> <laughs> nice. Like there's not too much more to it. Like I'm not going to get involved. But she's skinning fucking rare tigers and she wants to make a hundred which i'm sorry it is excessive you do not need a hundred and one puppies to make a coat well plus like just like four normal dalmatians uh so apparently <laughs> apparently with a short-haired dog the older they are the fur is rougher and therefore which is why she wanted to use puppies ah okay so there is method to the unadulterated <laughs> madness yeah but I also don't think you still don't think you need a hundred and one, unless I don't know. Maybe Mister Skinner's a bit sloppy. 
yeah, you want you want. It's better to have more and not <laughs> and, and not, not need, need them. them all. <laughs> then only get like imagine only getting sixty three Dalmatians, and it turned out you needed you know like you're just left with like a, a vest oh. or an armless an armless coat like uh, Marty McFly wears. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually, I was going to mention this later, but it's not relevant to anything else. So I'll, I'll mention it now. Is that one of the best Simpson parodies? Is I was just going to mention that is the Mister Burns um, see my vest thing because he wants to make the uh, which is is two Disney things in one, right? Because it's it's to the tune of be our guest from uh, Beauty and the Beast. I haven't seen that episode in a good ten years, but you know I'm every lyric. still still sure I know the majority. <laughs> of yeah. See my vest, see my vest, made from real gorilla chests. Made from chest. real gorilla chests. Yeah. See the sweater, there's no better than authentic Irish setter. <laughs> yep. Tell, tell you what, early early Simpsons, like the musical jokes in it were fucking amazing. Oh, so, I mean, early Simpsons in general was very, very good. It's one of those who things need- that just needed to know maybe when to stop. Who needs the quickie mark? Yeah, that, oh. Oh, that was great. I had an album, actually, that had all of these yes, on it. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, the, the CD was a donut. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did yeah, you, no, did you also have... Bart's Guide to Life, which I'm fairly sure everyone who was born in like the the late 80s had as a... I'm not sure if I had that, but I did have like, it was like an illustrated guide to The Simpsons. Okay. And it was a book that was kind of like episode by episode, and it had like a guest star in each one, and who voiced them, and a brief summary and stuff like that. And talking of musical stuff, actually, the Michael Jackson episode was so good as well. Oh, the uh, inverted commas, definitely not Michael Jackson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Jackson episode. Yeah. Anyway, completely off-piste, but you reminded me, talking about a Dalmatian gilet made me think of the, the, the real gorilla vest in uh, See My Vest. But yeah, and also, like, thinking about it, even even if, right, I need to do a little bit of detective work ahead of time to, like, give the right information to the RSPCA, like, she can't be that hard to track down, because it is not easy. Like, so where are you? Where are you storing a hundred and one dogs? That it's not obvious that you have a hundred and one dogs. But like even like just the smell, the smell, the noise, the amount of deliveries you're getting from pets at home to cover the food. <laughs> like it, it's surely it's 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 ringing alarm bells. Also, Dalmatians aren't that common a breed anyway. Like you don't see tons of Dalmatians about when you go for a walk. It's it's an yeah they're rare enough that if you spot one you're going oh ah, shit that's a dalmatian you spot one because hey because they're spotted dogs they're spotted. fuck me we're 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 fucking hilarious yeah. this this is why we were what was it the two hundred and first rated podcast in Malaysia the other week something something like that which um, you know what I take wins when I can yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and also like she was, um, she was Anita's boss as well in the, in the film. And like again, surely she can't be that hard to track down. Yeah, yeah. It's look, I'm taking out a villain who is rated higher than Freddy Krueger with a phone call to the RSPCA, which is good. And you're, yeah, you're also doing because don't, don't get me wrong, I was a little bit worried when we were saying, you know, strongest villain you could defeat, and your answer was this old woman. <laughs> <laughs> I I thought that was going down a route. I didn't particularly want the podcast to go down. No, no, I'm I'm taking I'm not taking the law into my own hands. I'm just I'm just helping uh, facilitate. And also, just so she's back in 102 Dalmatians, right? Which yeah. is after a three year prison sentence, 
which seems very light considering her crimes. And actually, I was looking into this and there was an article by The Mirror in 2018 that looked at the average prison sentences for Disney villains. <laughs> and that is amazing. they calculated that Cruella de Vil should have had at least 14 years. So five years for cruelty to animals, seven years for dog napping, and then two more for dangerous driving. So she basically did just the dangerous driving uh but she is, you said she's a rich heiress, and we all know those don't go to prison. Well, this this is it. So you'd have to you'd have to make sure you really um you really nailed her on the um <laughs> bad bad choice of words there uh, <laughs> that you really ensured that the uh, the things the oh oh it's all gone to shit. Um, <laughs> you'd have to ensure that the charge is stuck. I've got a feeling that perhaps maybe she went in for the five years of cruelty to animals and got out on through the good behaviour because um, she didn't try and like, uh, skin a rat possibly. in prison or something. Yeah, it's a great article. I, we we can link to it, but it, it talks... So Hades would have had the most most prison time out of any Disney villain at a total of 56 years. So 15 for treason, 10 for attempted regicide, 12 years for kidnapping, 7 years for child endangerment, 5 years for false imprisonment, and 7 years for abuse of power. So th- the most a Disney villain would get is 56 years. <laughs> yeah, 56 years, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, at least, uh, you know, Cutler Beckett would have seen to Captain Hook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cat- well, Captain Hook would have got 53 years. Okay, that's not too shabby. 16 years for piracy. 10 years for attempted murder, 15 years for actual murder, and 12 years for kidnapping. But is Captain Hook... I don't, I don't know why I'm asking you a question as if you're the de facto expert on Disney villains now. Is Captain Hook immortal as well? Like, when he's in Neverland? Oh. Like, he was an old dude who rocked up to Neverland and is now... I guess so. I don't know. Hmm. Don't know. Good question. Not sure. So, yeah. And also, this is, again, a fact that is completely unrelated to why I would be able to take out Cruella de Vil. But during the filming of 101 Dalmatians, apparently that they, they rubbed Jeff Daniels' face with raw hot dogs so the puppies would lick him on cue. As you do. I completely forgot he was in it. Yeah. But which just is... Because you, know you know there's that gif of like the whole like pack of raw hot dogs being thrown at someone's face? Yeah. I'm just imagining... You just imagine that's how... That with, just in the... <laughs> with Jeff Daniels. In the... <laughs> Jeff Daniels to make her. <laughs> yeah. I just I, I realised I just mimed throwing hot dogs at someone's face <laughs> on a podcast. So yeah, Cruella Deville, RSPCA, get her on the uh, appropriate charges, 14 years in prison, defeated. Good fucking times. Right, my choice then. Taking a bit of a different tact to yours. I, you know what, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I am fairly confident I could defeat Bane. Bane is a Batman villain. In the comics, he's referred to as one of the world's greatest minds. And minds, not mimes. That's a, probably a different Batman villain. There's absolutely a Batman villain that's a mime, I'm guaranteed. There definitely guarantee is. It. Batman has... Um, he. I think the best villains are always either Batman villains or Spider-Man villains. I don't think anyone else really tops them for sheer weirdness and iconicness yeah i would, I would but, agree yeah so bane basically is a massive hench luchador with a drug problem um who in the comics at least is capable of lifting 15 tons he's an expert in numerous scientific fields he can speak 10 active languages 
four arcane or dead ones. And his biggest claim to fame, I'm saying this as if he's a celebrity, and Bane's biggest claim to fame is that within a year of arriving in Gotham, he was able to deduce who Batman was. And in the Nightfall storyline, he very famously broke everyone out of Arkham Asylum. Batman then spent three months trying to recapture everyone and kind of brought himself to physical and mental exhaustion. Got back home to Wayne Manor just to find Bane there, who broke his back. He broke the bat. So Bane... Bane is the man who broke the bat. And I think I could take him in a fight. But Ian, why do you think you could take Bane in a fight? So Bane has obviously appeared... (laughs) Bane has been in films. Famously, he was in the last of a Batman series. Because not only... Is Bane the man who broke the bat? He is also the man who nearly destroyed Batman on screen. So I am, of course, talking about Bane in the 1997 film Batman and Robin. (laughs) In Batman and Robin, Bane was none of the shit I just (laughs) described. So he was played by... A guy called Jeep Swenson, who was a professional wrestler. What a name, by the way. He wrestled in the WCW. And given given we've been told sometimes we go a bit too heavy, I don't want to go too much into detail here, but Jeep had to change his name. And I want you and our listeners to think about what his original name must have been. Because they changed it, I shit you not, to the ultimate solution. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, WCW didn't know there were any other connotations to the final solution. Uh, they brought him into, uh, it was something about like bringing Hulk Hogan down or something like that. And Jeep was the final solution. It's just like, oh, guys, guys, come on. Phrasing, but, phrasing. Yeah. But Jeep is six foot four, he weighs 405 pounds. And at one point he believed, or at one time he believed himself to have the world's largest biceps. In the film, he is a guy called Antonio Diego, who is um, in maximum security prison. And they transform him from his light 5 foot 5, 98 pound frame into world's largest biceps territory uh, through experimentation by basically plugging him into uh, venom which is the drug, basically steroids on steroids, that they use to give Bane like enhanced strength and speed. And then he doesn't have any lines. They, they turn him into basically just a masked gorilla, who is even more of a gorilla than Gorilla Grodd, who is literally a gorilla and a DC villain. Yeah, he's just Poison Ivy's inarticulate thug henchman throughout the whole film. He occasionally groans. He looks he looks quite mouldy as well. He's very he mouldy, ve- isn't he? Mouldy, or at, at the very least, mildewy. But he gets defeated by Robin and Batgirl because they kick out... He's got this massive tube in the back of his head and they kick it out and he then transforms into who he was before he kind of, to go the wrong franchise, hulked up. <laughs> But the guy who plays Antonio Diego before he transforms into Bane is a guy called Michael Reed McKay. 
And to fully summarize, the best I can give you in terms of his build and what he looks like is he was sloth, a sloth victim in Seven. Yeah, okay. So he is a guy who could convincingly play tied to a bed for half a year. And he's beaten by Robin and Batgirl. And I mean, first of all, if Robin can beat him, I feel like I can. And it's just a case of knocking a fucking hose out of his head. It doesn't take that, and and he's stupid. So he's big, hulking, stupid, with an obvious weak spot. And video games have taught me that that's my bag. Fair. And are you are you using your your superior agility to get to I, it? <laughs> I mean, I I'm I am not the the yeah. To our loyal listeners, I am not the most agile of men. I once used the phrase, I have the flexibility of a walnut, and I stand by it. (laughs) But I don't think I would need too much. You would just need to get behind him and jump. Yeah, I suppose you need to to get in a position where you you are behind him to to pull it out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We're... Oh, God. But the euphemisms are, uh, for want of a better phrase, running deep. Yes. Um... But yeah, I I don't think I don't think Bane from Batman and Robin would take much hassle, really. I was kind of hoping that you were going to go down the um the Harley Quinn animated series Bane because he is just hilarious and sort of it, constantly in a state of existential crisis. Yeah, he's just he just seems like a very nice man with a notepad. Right? <laughs> but yeah, no, Bane is incredible in Harley Quinn, which is a series we've mentioned we mentioned on kind of our. 2020 sum up episode but it's well worth watching and then bane was also obviously famously played by tom hardy in dark knight rises who i'm less confident i would be able to take in a fight no you'd have no chance yeah i mean like hands up don't think i could do it i think i could make the coat work though but apart from that no no i'm not even i mean you know i only adopted the dark he was born in it. <laughs> but also, thinking back to Tom Hardy, and actually, here's a link to our previous episode. So just a quick side note. We don't need to rearrange the previous episode. I have watched Bronson since. Very good film. Really enjoyed it. And obviously, Tom Hardy is, is Bane and is also Bronson. And I wonder if, in, you know, if push came to shove, given his acting chops and you know, if, uh, playing people that are, are very adept at fighting, such as in Bronson, perhaps as Bane, he may also strip naked and cover himself in like goose fat um, in order to fight you, and that would that would present a challenge. See, you say that, but I think that's what I would have to do <laughs> to stand a chance to beat him. Just strip Stark Bronson naked, cover myself in grease, and just fucking run at him. Um, that is a reference you will only fully understand if you watch Bronson, and even then, that was a weird thing for me to say. But Hard- uh, Tom Hardy weirder. was also... You've said weirder very, on this podcast. Very true. Sorry, Mum. <laughs> uh, Tom Hardy was also in Warrior, yeah. which was about two brothers entering an MMA tournament, and it's fucking amazing. And it was very close to being my movie recommendation when I was thinking through fights and that kind of line of thinking. But yeah, so uh, takeaways. I could beat Bane in Batman and Robin. 
don't think I could beat Mr. Freeze because the puns are just too much for me to take. Couldn't beat Bane, played by Tom Hardy, unless maybe I was greased up. Over to you, Graham, for round two. <laughs> ding, ding. Ding, ding. Um, okay, so sticking with the theme of superhero villains, I'm going to sidestep DC and go to the Marvel Universe. And look, we've had, what, 25 films, if we take into account the Spider-Man films. Um, so there's a lot of villains to pick from. And I'm going big, right? This guy, he is the longest standing villain for the character that basically the Marvel MCE was built upon, right? He Jarvis. <laughs> there's no two ways about it. <laughs> he, in this film, is responsible for a string of terrorist attacks. Um, he even seriously injures Happy Hogan, you know, so Aunt May is, you know... If if this if this would have been any worse, then Aunt May would never have been happy. That wasn't even intentional. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So, sometimes I think, you know what, Ian? <laughs> maybe, maybe podcasting isn't for us. <laughs> uh. But yeah, and so that 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 person, he's an international terrorist. He's feared by millions. He's garnered the attention of Iron Man himself, and that is the Mandarin. In Iron Man 3. Very nice. He has the capacity to destroy Iron Man's house with what is essentially a missile, a military strike on a, a, a dude's after, home. <laughs> after, after Tony Stark basically coaxes him to do it on live TV. There is that part to it, yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that's surely like superhero. He's just breaking all the superhero taboos, isn't it? Yeah. It's like he's basically just given his driver's license out to people while in full costume. It, it's, the, it's the complete opposite of Spider-Man, right? Yeah. Because Spider-Man is terrified of his, even his name coming out. And yeah, you're right. Tony Stark's literally giving his address. But yeah, and look, the, and the way that I'm going to go about this is playing on the fact that in Iron Man 3, the Mandarin is actually an out-of-work British actor named Trevor Slattery, (laughs) (laughs) who is essentially quite willing to do whatever if it means he gets to flex his acting chops and get a bit of money. So really, it's a case of getting in front of him, which Iron Man manages to do, and convincing him to sort of utilise the same network um, to really dispel the myth of the, the Mandarin. You know, if you think about it, if you take out the mythos of the man behind the brand of the extremism. It's just a bit of a glowy guy piss. Exactly. <laughs> then then the, the kind of terror and the fear around the Mandarin kind of fades away. Now, the fantastic thing about this is that you're saying, you're going to say to me, Graham, Trevor Slattery, taking out an out-of-work British actor is not, you know, that's not hard. That's not heroic. But actually, the real Mandarin is glowy guy pierce he even says it to to iron man during the fight at the end it was always me tony right from the start i am the mandarin however i'm gonna take him out by proxy by defeating and you know getting trevor on my side dispelling the myth of the mandarin taking down the brand before it ever gets to the point where guy pierce is all that glowy uh i i i am i am i'll I'll stutter for a little bit and then I'll say what I was going to say. Go on then. Um, I'm very glad you said that because I, 
I do think a lot of people miss the point of Iron Man 3. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, well, what the fuck are they doing to the Mandarin? It's like, no, 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 no. The point is, Trevor Slattery isn't the Mandarin. No, no, he's a front. Like, yeah, he's not. They haven't, you know, fucked up a character. They've just, it's Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce is the Mandarin. Yeah. But, well, he's not, actually, because there is now going to be a more traditional, well, hopefully not traditional Mandarin, because traditional Mandarin is, like, horrifically racist. Yeah. But he's going to be the, there was a really cool short. Yeah, I was, I haven't seen it, actually, but I saw it when I was reading up on this. Yeah, which is basically Trevor in prison, and it turns out by him, Guy Pearce had latched on to an existing mythos around the Mandarin. And the real Mandarin is now pissed off that he's become a laughing stock because of Trevor Slattery. Nice. I it's, like it's, that. Well worth, it's well worth watching. Put, putting myself out there, I think Iron Man 3 isn't as bad as everyone seems to think it is. It's definitely not. And I, interestingly, I didn't like it that much on my first watch, but I've recently done a full rewatch of all 25 films. And it's, it's definitely a lot better than I recall. And you're right, like, it isn't a case of a messed up character that uh, was kind of a bit of a joke. It's it's actually quite well crafted. And, you know, even like the way, because as I say, and I know I was being a bit flippant saying I'd take out Guy Pierce before he gets all glowy, but essentially like a lot of him able to get to that point where he has all of his superpowers is that he's able to finance it all through aim by having this sort of fake war on terror because yeah. he's he is essentially showing the world that okay well we need this money in order to combat this threat a threat that he's made up himself you know he is if if you think about actually taking down aldrich not <laughs> who is played by guy pierce it's not yeah. actually Glo- guy pierce. Uh, sorry glowy guy glowy pierce. guy pierce please um <laughs> he um you know he's He's very similar to Tony Stark in many ways. He's a he's a billionaire CEO, but he actually has these manufactured superpowers, right? He's got stu- super strength, agility, regeneration, exothermic manipulation, and fire breathing. The best, the best superpower. <laughs> so, whilst I mean that that's who I'm taking out by basically convincing Trevor Slattery to to do some acting for me, because I'm going to kill the mythos of the Mandarin, derail. Aldrich's plans for um, extremists before he even gets to the point of being able to breathe fire. So yeah, and I did write down here um, something where I likened it to Bin Laden also not carrying out the attacks himself, but maybe we don't go down that route. <laughs> yeah, let's uh... <laughs> let's keep it light and breezy. Yeah, yeah, let, let's let's keep it light and breezy. <laughs> for, for me, Iron Man three was the first film where they slightly started to step over the line into letting directors have a voice Mm -hmm. because it was Shane Black and Shane Black is known for setting films at Christmas all the fucking time and witty dialogue and there's a couple of scenes in it where it actually feels like a Shane Black film. Mm -hmm. But you're right, it was at that point where they started to yeah really allow yeah. people like J- james james gunn was definitely the turning point but you could see that turning point starting to come with like uh there's a great bit in iron man 3 where the henchman just drops his gun yeah it's like i'm done <laughs> <laughs> every 
<laughs> don't want to be here everyone's weird yeah but yeah no it's it, it is a great film it, i think it it what i realized from from doing a rewatch of every single marvel film was that or two is shit no I, I think actually quite quite <laughs> the opposite in that i don't think there is really a bad movie like there's better movies but i don't think any of them are bad no no i i don't think so which I, is well, i i I did make a full ranked Marvel list at some point, which I will bore people with at some point. I would put it on Instagram, but people would hate it because everybody has their own... There's there's a lot of... In ranking the Marvel films, surprising ones will be quite low. Not because they're bad, but because there are so many ones that are good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Because like, I, would, I would have Doctor Strange quite low, and... That's not because I think it's a bad movie, but it also it didn't grip me as much as some of the others. But yeah, I mean, look, it's a. I know we're getting way off track here, but like, it is a feat of filmmaking to do twenty five films and not have a single oh, like God, yeah. stinker. So I had so the bottom of my list isn't actually Thor two. So I apologize, Chris Hemsworth. The Incredible Hulk, yeah, which arguably wasn't full marvel so okay uh iron man 2 i wasn't a fan of it still had its it still had like the set pieces were still brilliant and it was still fun but you know and then i had thor 2 above that but then yeah like doctor i loved doctor strange but i still have that like 15th just because there are so many yeah fucking crazy good films in it what would you say your favorite is oh i would say my my favorite is definitely Ragnarok, I think. Yeah. And then you've got sort of Endgame and Infinity War have got to be up there, but R- Ragnarok's my favorite. It's just so good. It, it's always a. It, I think Ragnarok, Infinity War, Guardians of the Galaxy, and possibly Winter Soldier. Mm, yeah, Winter Soldier's a good. Shot. But those, those top three, especially, depending how I feel that day, I will say is my favorite Marvel film. Well, actually, I mean the 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 best Marvel film is Blade. I mean, we all know it. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So my, my go? Are we are we on to my round two? Yeah, we're on to I've I've yeah, I've employed Trevor Slattery. I've taken down the Mandarin, and now we're over to whatever you're gonna do. So um obviously we went a little bit heavy there. So I'm going to make things a bit lighter. So in nineteen thirty six the Nazi army was ramping up to thirteen point six million people that it would have in World War Two. So in 1936, they had 36 divisions. A division is anywhere between 10,000 and 25,000 soldiers. They just reoccupied the Rhineland. The dominoes had started to fall that would ultimately start World War II. That would lead to the death of 75 million people. In case people are worried, that's the end of that history section. I'm not going to go fully deep into it. I haven't outsourced research. We're stopping there. But the question is... Why do I care about the Nazis in 1936? And that's because that is the year Raiders of the Lost Ark is set. <laughs> so the, the villain I am choosing here is the Third Reich. So I am very confident, I'm really putting myself out there, that I could defeat the Third Reich. Okay. Just going to let that sink in. Okay, so for this to work, there is no Indiana Jones. I am indiana jones i apologize 
It means we would have had Temple of Doom, but we probably won't have Last Crusade, depending how this is going. Which means Sean Connery's not my dad, and that's upsetting for everybody. I don't say that um, too loud, your actual dad listens. Well, true, but also if Sean Connery was my dad, I would be supporting the Scottish rugby team, and that's just fucking depressing. <laughs> I mean, being a Welsh fan isn't easy, but Scottish, Jesus Christ. Don't worry, guys, like, you know, I, I think you have a very strong team on paper. Hamish Watson, very underrated, but, you know, we'll, we'll stop talking about it. Damn it, Sean, you raised me better than this. <laughs> so, to be fair, though, if Sean was, was your father, you'd probably be more into um, maybe going to Wimbledon. Um, usually get there around mid-morning, about 10-ish. Hey. That was a reach and a half. Oh, dear. Oh, You're better was... than that, Graham. You're better than that. Yeah. Sean would be devastated. So, like I said, so I have basically been tasked with recovering the ark. Noah's? Uh, no, that's a different Indiana Jones film. <laughs> the, the Ark of the Covenant. And, as we know, that's not going to happen. I don't enjoy the desert. I don't really have any understanding of biblical or ancient history. Uh, I'm not equipped to find the Ark. I don't really have the motivation for it, nor the energy. Wouldn't really know where to start, so I probably wouldn't. I mean, it's the Ark of the Covenant. I'm not really a religious man anyway, so I'm probably going to assume it's not real and it's not going to do anything. Yeah. So, I might have gone to Nepal and taken part in the drinking games they did, but that's kind of where my involvement would end. Maybe I would have written, like, a strongly worded letter or something. <laughs> but yeah, I would have I would have just left it there. So what would have happened? So without me if I was in Nepal, I either you know, I would have been wasted. So the Nazis would go to Nepal, they would recover so famously the Nazis are digging in the wrong place in Raiders of the Lost Ark because they've got this replica headpiece which doesn't have all the clues and the writing on. But Indiana Jones had it because he got it from Marriott. Without Indiana Jones there, um, it would be me. And if I was there, I would have been wasted because of this drinking game. So they would have got the real headpiece anyway, and then I probably would have burnt to death. See, keeping things light. Or I wouldn't be in Nepal anyway, so they would have the real headpiece. With the real headpiece, it means the Nazis will dig in the right place. It means they recover the Ark. Uh, they would take it by plane, not by U-boat as they do in the film, because remember when Indiana Jones famously clings to the side of a submarine? <laughs> but they would take it by plane, because I'm not fighting a giant... You know, I've, I've just beaten Bane. I don't need to fight another giant European guy in the desert on a fancy plane. So that plane would still be working, so they would take the plane, they would take the Ark uh, to their little fancy island place, uh, they would open it up, all the Nazis around them would die, and then the Ark just kind of stays there for a little bit. Um, it's a very famous plot, point, uh, plot hole at this point, because Big Bang Theory joked about it, but I don't really want to give them the, the time of day. But Indiana Jones doesn't really contribute anything to the actual film, Raiders of the Lost Ark. The exact same thing would have happened whether he was involved or not, and I think that's fucking amazing. But... Without Indiana Jones there, because I'm not there at all, the Ark of the Covenant wouldn't have been recovered by America and put into their 
hilariously comically oversized warehouse, it would have been taken back to Nazi high command in Germany. So they would have taken it back to Hitler and the high command and kind of gone like, hey, look, we found it. Aren't we, aren't we great? The people who recovered it have kind of gone missing, but, you know, we've got it. And then what's Hitler going to do? He's going to show off his new toys to people. So he's going to open the Ark of the Covenant. Hitler's going to melt. World War II ends before it starts in 1936. Fucking boom. So, uh, yeah, that is how I am going to defeat the Nazis. <laughs> I, th- I think the, the critical point here is the you defeating the Nazis by not doing anything is kind of not... I mean, in the, se- in the sense that you've defeated the Nazis, I've also defeated the Nazis because I've also not done anything. Yeah, no, 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 that's, that is completely fair. But also... It's my pick. So uh, <laughs> you weren't the one. Like it, to, to be fair, it is, a, it is a collective human effort of, you know, it is mankind as a whole not contributing to this plan. But I was the one tasked with recovering the art. So really, it is on me. So I would like my medal. I, I want it sent to me. Yeah, no, I, I think that is, uh, apart from... I'm assuming things you will come up with. It is a completely flawless logic. (laughs) (laughs) You have absolutely no idea how to respond to that, do you? No. (laughs) Really, no. But, you know, I mean, I'll I'll just, I'll let you keep believing that that this is you defeating the Nazis. A hundred percent is. Also, surely if, like every time like a new set of nazis goes to get the ark of the covenant to bring it back and everyone's dead surely they're going to check it and then there's just going to be a new wave of dead nazis on the island yeah and if that happens they'll keep being waves until it's just a very lonely hitler (laughs) where it's just like hans can you go oh oh wait where where the fuck is everyone i yeah because if if he wasn't there then it would be hands free hey that was actually quite good. <laughs> oh. That was that was so good. I'm worried people will think we set that up, and then they'll think less of us for setting that up. I don't. Can can they think less of us? Oh fuck, that's bad. I mean, I did just say I'll defeat the Nazis <laughs> by doing nothing, but I, I do think it is a hilarious fucking plot hole. It's up it, there. Well, not it's not. I I don't think a plot hole is the wrong word. I do. I, it is a very funny observation that Indiana Jones does nothing in Indiana Jones. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it, it'd be intriguing if they went down the um you know how they they basically wrote Rogue One to cover up the plot hole in in yeah, uh, yeah. New Hope. It would be great if they did something similar to like explain. I mean, it can't be any worse than Indiana Jones 4, right? So like if they wrote an Indiana Jones movie to explain how this this plot hole wasn't a plot hole. God, how would, I'm not even sure how they would do it. They they'd come up with something. I mean, they came up with aliens and glass skulls in Indiana Jones 4, so... And See, I was, I was fine with the choice of aliens. I wasn't fine with the execution. <laughs> because, for me, it does work. Because in the 30s, the natural, the natural villains would be the Nazis. And the Nazis were historically interested in the supernatural and things like that. Which is why you have so many kind of like Hellboy is based in yeah, yeah. you know the Nazis looking into the paranormal stuff. Um, I, 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 I yeah, I, I'm not going to start reaching on which guy was really into it because then it will just be me throwing out 
Nazi names for a while, and that'll get us on a list. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, don't, don't, it'll get. Don't tell me with your Nazi brush, Ian. It'll, it'll get me on a list. And then the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was set in the. It was like late forties, fifties, which I've would be it all out. Yeah, which would be which would be Cold War, which would therefore be the Russians, which would therefore be you know it always was a bit more of a sci-fi space racy thing. So for me, it made sense that you would start bringing in a more sci-fi vibe to it rather than the occult. But it was done awfully, and it's a shit film. Yeah, and they they nuke a fridge. The first. Uh, the first uh, movie thing we did together was called Nuke Bridge. It was, yeah. Yeah, good times. I'm sure it was many, a, it, many of our a... avid readers are, are tuning in. <laughs> yeah. Tuning in today. Well, they're both hosting this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is very true. Uh, so, so, yeah, the, the short of it, me being the selfless, selfless man I am, would defeat the Nazis. Which is nice. Final round. Fight! Finish him. So... For my final choice, I am going to... Yeah, how are you going to follow up beating an old woman and an aging actor? I am going to go with... Um, so we've we've covered Disney villains. We've covered... Um, Disney villains. <laughs> Technically, yes. <laughs> Superhero villains. Now we're going into a horror movie villains. And we're going... Probably one of the most iconic horror films of all time. It's definitely up there, I would say. Midsummer. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take out the bear. Um, <laughs> no, this is this is. I don't know how else to. I'm just going to go straight in because I don't know. I don't know how to. I'm, I can't. I can't hide the mystique of it can't. in my. Um... I was going to say, Graham, you you can't go straight in after a minute and a half build up. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's not what those words mean. <laughs> I'm going with Jack Torrance from The Shining. Very nice. Iconic horror movie villain. So The Shining, obviously, um, so Jack Torrance is a writer. So we've taken out socialites, actors, and now writers. And he is uh, basically staying at this um, massive hotel in Colorado, I think it is, if I'm right in thinking. I I, I that that feels right. Like the act, I know the actual Outlook Hotel, as in like if you were to go and see the Outlook Hotel. I don't think it's called the Outlook Hotel, but like it is in Denver, I think. But I don't know if it's also set in Denver. But anyway, he's staying there during the him and his family go there during a particularly harsh winter, and basically they they live in caretakers during the off season. And the reason he takes the job is it pays quite well, and being a writer. He wants to use the sort of tires like a writer's retreat, but with his wife and child there as well. Uh, I can could I I can confirm it is a hotel in the Rocky Mountains. Okay, the hotel has a dark past and it reveals itself over the course of the uh, winter in visions, hauntings, possession of his son, and it yeah eventually loses to Jack losing his mind and going on a murderous rampage. There's there's a very famous scene where Jack is typing typing away and. His wife comes down, looks at all of his um, reams and reams of um, notes, which she was assuming for his his writing, and it is just the words, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy, over and over which, again. Which also, The Simpsons do a great parody of. They do, yeah, very, very good episode. And 
this precedes his murderous rampage. So, you know, joining the dots, all of the sort of stark isolation, the haunting and everything. And the fact that all work and no play has driven him to his murderous rampage. So I'm just going to give Jack Torrance some opportunities to play. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. That was... That that sounded so strange, I think I nearly threw up in my mouth. I had no 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 idea how to how to respond. So look, uh, we just yeah. we're gonna liven up the Outlook Hotel a bit. No alcohol, because Jack Torrance is a recovering alcoholic, and I think there's a bit where he talks about when he was drunk he'd he'd beat his son up quite badly. So we don't want you know, we don't want that to happen again. I think I've got quite a good experience under my belt past year living in isolation during a pandemic how to keep myself entertained i'm sure i can keep jack entertained as well we can um so so, so what you're saying is what would have nullified the shining is a good zoom quiz few zoom quizzes binging the office community (laughs) maybe me and jack will start a podcast (laughs) you are not doing a podcast with anyone else yeah this is our thing. But look, he's he's essentially everyone in lockdown, right? He started he started with this really positive outlook. He's gonna use all of this downtime to be creative. And he ends up bored and out of his skull and going on a murderous rampage. Like we we've all been there over the past twelve months. Yeah, no, that's 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 fair. And obviously you would need to keep room two three seven under lock and key. Yep. But oh, apart from that, again, fuck it. Th- thank you for reading my notes, Ian. Don't let him go into room two three seven. also maybe get danny some daycare because he was a bit of annoying annoying little shit um danny daycare was uh eddie murphy (laughs) (laughs) that's uh classic that's that again that's a very niche joke in a film probably no one watched and even fewer people want to remember yeah oh that was a terrible film We, we were having this discussion the other day about like how bad eddie murphy films have been most of the time Eddie Murphy has been good in films. Yeah. But there hasn't been a good Eddie Murphy film since, like, 1998. Yeah. And this was because they've just released the Coming to America sequel, right? Um, Which I haven't watched, but it does look terrible. I have no interest in watching it at all. Uh, If if I should, I mean, feel free to let us know, but I think I'm all right, to be honest. Yeah. With with the amount of stuff coming out, which I do want to watch, we're good. Yeah. Um, so the the Shining. Back to the Shining. Back to the Shining. Apart from the you know obviously understandable Eddie Murphy tangent from the Shining. <laughs> um, I'm going to be honest with you, Brian, because I feel like we're we're close friends, and I I can be. Um, I have no idea what the fuck happens in the Shining. <laughs> like, like with the, the 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 whole fucking photo zoom in bit at the end completely threw me. Every time I think I understand the film, that happens. It's just like, oh wait, hang on. Yeah, he's always there. Yeah, there's a lot. Well, because also the the because uh, the thing that possesses Danny is like the is it is the guy named Tony? I want to say that was like in the history of the Outlook Hotel and was out there murdering people and stuff before. It, Maybe it's not the just say, just 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 say it with confidence. Yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. So that's what happens. Yeah, it is. It is. There's there's a lot of parts to it as well. There's a lot of things that. It's a great film, but yeah. And did you know that? Oh, I'm sure you probably did, but did you know that they reused footage from The Shining um, in Blade Runner? Blade Runner, yes, yeah. yes. In one of the eight different cuts of the film, yeah. 
Because it's or have you watched the the scene? The what which scene? The in in Blade Runner. The shining scene in Blade Runner. Yeah. Yeah, it's just the it's like the shots of over the over the hills, right? But there's uh so they also re and I'll edit all this out if I'm wrong. They it's the car driving. Yeah. And they narrate over the top because the studio wanted a happy ending. Oh, for Blade Runner. Yeah. Oh, and nice. it's it's laughing it feels like it's from another film. Well, literally, yeah. There's nothing in Blade Runner that is that is like big rolling hills <laughs> greenery. Like, it's literally there's a narration which is like, it turns out she didn't have an expiry date, but then none of us know when our time is. It's like, oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> really? But but yeah, I, and there's also there's a Stanley Kubrick's the Sh- not sorry, there is Stephen King's The Shining. Stephen King hated The Shining. I mean, we spoke about this before. Stephen King is is an interesting individual. Yes, yes. Which I don't, don't want to spoil anything, Graham, but we are going to come back to him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so look, the the main thing is is I'm just not gonna let work overrun. Jack, working from home, it's hard to, it's quite easy to kind of get all consumed by work, not enjoy, you know, um, the play that that stops you from going a murderous rampage against your family. Um, So yeah, we're going to, we're going to break out the DVD box sets. We're going to play some, play some uh, Pictionary. (laughs) Is Pictionary. And yeah, and look, let's say, let's say that Despite all my best efforts, despite watching the US office front to back, maybe he gets to season nine and he's like, look, it wasn't as good. What have they done to Ed Helms? What, I mean, come on. Why did they carry on after Michael Scott left? Uh, that, you know, what, why is Catherine Tate here? But it, it, Idris Elba's here, though. So <laughs> let's stick with it and see what happens. If, if all of that doesn't work, if, if the series nine of the office does send him over the edge, I'm just going to have to... I've got a fallback plan. Okay. And that is, if all else fails, I'm going to hit him with his Achilles heel and I'm going to run into a freezing cold maze and lose him and he will freeze to death and we will escape and the only casualty will be will, oh, will be damn it. Jack. You're, and, um... you're onto something there. When, when coming up with this idea, I should have thought, oh, you know what? What is a strong person that has been defeated by a child? <laughs> I'll just do that. I'll just do that with more swagger and confidence. Exactly. <laughs> and 2000s US sitcoms. That's every good villain's Achilles heel. Box sets. Box sets. Box sets, Pictionary, and if all else fails, a maze. My final round then. Uh, yeah, don't want to tread over all crown, but I've had my, my superhero choice. I've had my, my adventure film choice slash greatest villains in history and i had uh i thought what do i do now so i I know i'll do something graham wouldn't do i'll do a horror film based on a stephen king book (laughs) so my final choice is one of the best book to movie adaptations ever made and that is because the it movie is not a faithful adaptation of the it books because I don't know if people know this, but the It books, are, It book, it's just one book. It's, it's, it's one yeah. book. It's it's as big as many books, but it is just one yeah. book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the It book is fucked. Like so fucked, I felt uncomfortable researching it. Yeah, it's it is 
in particular the the one scene. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's it's obviously split between uh, the story of a group of childhood friends and then them when they're adults, and it gets a bit. Basically, it gets very uncomfortable, and it turns out that is a a regular theme in Stephen King books. Is like, yeah, he's just there's some fucking weird stuff is, out there that has Stephen King's name attached to it. Is he as good as his reputation would suggest? So, I think his reputation comes from the fact that every other film made is a Stephen King adaptation in some shape, way, or form. Yeah. But, I, I don't think so. Like, Family Guy did a great kind of joke on it, didn't they? With the whole um, Stephen King's in his agent's office, just looking around. It's like, oh, my next book's going to be about <laughs> this this lamp. But misery, misery was good. Misery was misery was fucking brilliant. You also then have things like Shawshank Redemption is a Stephen King book. Yeah, Green Mile um, is as well. Green Mile, Stand By Me, The Running Man is based on Stephen King under a pseudonym. Is is it a case that there's just been so much pumped out that you're going to have... Because as well, look, I, I, I'll be honest, I've not actually read any of Stephen King's books because they're the kind of books that... I've got a couple, so I think I've got Salem's Lot is one that I have. And it's always like, I don't know, 900-page books novels really like feel to me like just a bit much <laughs> so i i haven't read a lot i've stephen king has a book about this guy who finds a hole in time in a burger joint and uses that to go back and try and save john f kennedy so i'm gonna read that book <laughs> like i can't not um it was made into a mini series with james franco it, it's all right okay um i have read the first of the dark tower series and given how many, given how like critic, like how everyone seems to, or a lot of people seem to love that book series, I just didn't get it. I couldn't read past the first book. It's just kind of, yeah, not my bag. But I, I don't know if he's just good at coming up with concepts. Then he, he seems to get really the mythology he seems to be building between books. I, I'll, I'll, I'll come on to a bit of that in, in a minute, but. My my Stephen King villain is it. So more commonly known as Pennywise the Clown. So it is a he is he is commonly referred to as Pennywise, even though his name is It. It is an annoying thing to say on a podcast, so I'm probably gonna call him Pennywise more. I don't need you turning around and going, Oh well actually, and Pennywise is just a clown, it's actually it. That don't know if you guys caught that. That was actually me talking. That was it, me it was it. an uncanny <laughs> impression. I, I <laughs> even thought, I was like, where? I, I'm not moving my lips. Um, Has the internet gone again? <laughs> <laughs> so, so it is a shape-shifting creature who is billions of years old that originates in a void and dimension outside the regions of space called the Macroverse. He commonly appears as Pennywise the Dancing Clown and his primary goal is to eat people. Uh, and apparently, frightened flesh tastes better, so he goes for that. And he's been killing people in the town of Derry since at least 1908. In um, Vienna? Maine? I think? Okay. I, think. I don't know. I, it, I just recall it being like, like, why have you picked there? 
Yeah. So I'm guessing, and it's not, it's not, it's not Derry Island. And that's a, that is a different, different Stephen King film. Oh, it, it, but with the cast of Derry Girls would be fantastic. Oh God, I'd watch the <laughs> shit out of that. Um. Anyway, sorry. Continue. Yeah. So, so specifically, I'm talking about the latest incarnation of the It series. So the 2017-2019 film uh, starred the likes of Jessica Chastain, James McAvoy, Bill Hader, that kid from Stranger Things, all all the greatest hits. So it is basically an all-powerful being. So I'm going to go through some of his powers and abilities. Um, he has lower-tier omnipotence. <laughs> lower-tier. <laughs> yeah, and then in brackets, and I'm going to... I'm gonna, Quote my notes verbatim here. Something about on a level with the turtle because Stephen King is weird. So there's a giant cosmic god turtle in Stephen King books. Is that the same as like the Discworld turtle? I think it's a similar thing. He holds up, there's, yeah, it's all kind of weird. But it also has telepathy. Uh, he can possess people. He can shapeshift. Uh, there's illusions. He can turn invisible. There's telekinesis, chlorokinesis, which is telekinesis but with plants. Uh, he can control the weather. He could teleport within the town of Derry, which sounds like a weird power. Uh, <laughs> he has superhuman strength, superhuman speed. He's invulnerable. Uh, and he also has what are called the deadlights, which is basically like eldritch energy, which can drive people insane. And it's from the macro burst dimension. and It might be made of it. And it's all kind of a bit odd. But he so he feeds and gets his strengths from people's fear. So I I already know what it would appear to you. So it to Graham would not appear as Pennywise the clown. He would appear as a moomin. Fucking would. <laughs> <laughs> uh, d- uh, uh, over to you. <laughs> I, I, I hand you the floor, Graham. Look, uh, I've Moomin are not they they're just not cool. They are they are satanic hippos from Finland and no one needs to to see them ever. And they have the weird little ginger girl sidekick and they just make me they're just unnerving and I'm not okay with it. And that was Graham. Um for me, uh, I also let you know, I'll have this on record as well. The movements are fucked, man. Like they're not <laughs> they're not cool. They're really weird. And not even, like, for me, it's not the Moomins. It's the weird, like, fucking scraggly scarecrow fuckers. Yeah. Like, the, the, uh, yeah, it's kind of, uh. So, for me, it would 100% appear as a ventriloquist dummy. <laughs> like an old school 1930s ventriloquist dummy. Because those are fucked up. They're not funny. There's no need for them. And fuck those. There's a great film called Dead Silence which I definitely think is better than it is just because it's about ventriloquist dummies and that legitimately scares me anyway. I could watch a documentary on like how ventriloquist dummies are made and I would find that scarier than the vast majority of things. <laughs> like the vast majority of horror films. Didn't uh, did Darren just... Brown do? Was it was Svengali? He did one of his shows. Yeah, the Svengali. It's not really a, it's the Svengali doll, which is kind of like a ventriloquist watch it you'd enjoy it was that where he puts it in the box and the guy thinks he's in the box yes i think so yeah no uh now nah. you know what Grant? i'm all right i'm good <laughs> um so 
Ian, I hear you cry. How are you going to defeat the lower tier, omnipotent, interdimensional, superpowered entity that is it? Um, easy. So, in it, chapter two, the 2019 film, they change things up a bit and completely kind of fuck with it. Um, so they defeat Pennywise. Uh, spoilers for it, chapter two, but you know, you've come this far. They defeat Pennywise by making him really small. And they do that by making him believe he is small. Just kind of through supreme confidence and mockery. So he turns into a giant clown spider, which is a thing. And they start like shouting at him like, oh, he's just a clown. You're just a weak old woman. You're a bully. You're a motherfucking stupid mummy was one, which, you know, that's my go to playground insult. And Pennywise starts shrinking and then ends up kind of fleeing back to his crater where he kind of becomes like some weird deflated jellyfish clown. And then they tear his heart out and uh, crush it in front of him. So to defeat this all-powerful being, I would, one, tough one here, get over my inherent fear of ventriloquist coming. Number two, I would just have to be confident. And you know, you know who is confident, Graham? The man who just took down the Third Reich and beat the man who broke the bat. So I think I've got this. I could fucking do it. It's like, you're not scary. You know who was scary? The might of the German army in the 30s. Who, who you didn't come into contact with at all and didn't technically... Uh, I yeah, take but, your point. But yeah, but it was, it, was, it, I, it was consciously not me, which means philosophically, on a deep level, it was actually me. So, yeah, I could beat Pennywise in the film. In the miniseries, where he's played by Tim Curry, I'm fairly sure, and forgive me if I'm wrong, they beat Pennywise by just twatting a giant spider in the face. <laughs> and I could, I, I, I think I could do that. But I also haven't seen that iteration in a while. And I know it's a lot it, more. It, iteration. It, iteration. Iteration. Uh, it's a lot more faithful or in ways it is more faithful to the book. Not in the, 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 the way we hinted at earlier. <laughs> um, and he, he isn't quite as, it's not as two-way a street with drawing power from people's like emotions or lack thereof. So in the movies, I am comfortable that I could beat Clown Spider it because I'm a confident man who is confidently, with confidence, going to walk into his fucking weird underground crater thing and just call him a dick. Yeah. I mean, he wouldn't present you as a Clown Spider, though, because he would just be... He would just be an army of ventriloquist dummies. Uh, he would. He would be like a ventriloquist dummy spider, I think. With, with like, so a spider with eight ventriloquist dummies. It's a tough one. I, I was thinking more spider body with like the ventriloquist dummy head. Okay, bit of a tangent. But did you follow ever follow the the dancing Pennywise Twitter account where they just put loads of different pop songs on the like the dancing? I did. I did. I didn't follow the Twitter account, but I saw a lot of them. Yeah, they're brilliant. So good. It was. It, it's definitely up there with one of my favorite stupid internet crazies. My my current favorite Twitter account is Daniel Craig. Welcome you into the weekend. <laughs> Have you seen that? Yeah, it's the it's the SNL clip, right? 
where he's introducing the weekend. It's yeah, it's Daniel Craig introducing the band the weekend in the most bored way I've ever heard anyone introduce anything. It's just well, ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. And there's a Twitter account that posts that every Friday. And to be honest, lockdown's hard. It's I, I'm fairly sure my uh, my bar has lowered in terms of things I now found absolutely hysterical. Yeah, although talking of Daniel Craig and Twitter, there was a, a Twitter thread, I think, last week of really shit lookalikes on a UK lookalike agency oh, website. God, yeah. And the Daniel Craig one really stands out because the guy looks nothing like Daniel Craig, but you can tell from the energy that he's presenting in the photo that he really thinks he's Daniel Craig. The worst one on there to keep with the running joke that this always gets heavy, is Princess Diana if she was alive now. Yeah, 2020 Princess Diana. 2020 Princess Diana. It's just like, oh, why? Like, why would you market that? And why would you hire one? What What is the theme of your party? <laughs> You're hiring 2020 Princess Diana. Hey, welcome to my alternate universe 40th birthday party. <laughs> but back to the conversation at hand. Uh, I could fuck up it. And no one's going to tell me otherwise. Mm, I might. <laughs> That's fair. That's kind of what this podcast is about. But no, it, it, it's in the in the film. They make it very clear. It is you can make him feel like not being scared of him takes away his power, and he turns into a weird deflated jellyfish thing. Yeah, I just don't believe that you wouldn't be scared. Oh, I, I've beaten the Nazis, bro. I've I've beaten Bane. Out of your choices, then. Yeah. What are you saying your uh, your top three is? Uh, so my top three is... Actually, before we go there, okay. what are you going to rank it by? So are, are, we going, are we going confidence that you could beat them? Are we going strength of the person? Are we... It's, it's, it's taking both of those things into account. I think that's, that's, the Good crit- to know. that's the critical point here, is that you need to take both of those into account because they both have a, they have both have a bearing. I'd say they have about an equal weighting in terms of how you should judge That's those. fair. Understandable. So, in third place, I'm gonna go with Cruella Deville. I'm fairly confident I can, you know, find Google the RSPCA's number and turn her in, and it's easy to find 101 dogs. No one's hiding that. And whilst she is the 39th on this on this list of the 100 Years 100 Villains, she's not quite as high as second place Jack Torrance, who's 25th on the same list. She's a uh... She's Glenn Close, but no cigar. Eh. (laughs) (laughs) Continue. Um, In second place is will be Jack Torrance. He's he's taking he's he's going he's moved. Credit Deville is solely in the murdering canines business, whereas Jack Torrance takes it to humans. I think that that adds an element in there. But I am still confident that you know with a few good box sets. And uh, a couple of quizzes, I can chill him out and we can have a nice isolated lockdown at the Outlook Hotel. And as I said, if that all fails, into the maze. And, and at the very least, you get a nice nice time away. From yeah, you. absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah, just stay away from room 237. And then in first place, the Mandarin from Iron Man. Because actually, when you take into account how much of a threat the actual hoop glowy guy pierce actually is here the assets that he has available to him and the potential superpowers that he has as well that is a that's a lot to take out and doing so by 
essentially working with a an unemployed British actor. Seems like a, a a good way of doing it. And also, that is my top three. But in first place, who is actually the real first place, but we didn't get to talk about it because apparently we spoke about him too much for another episode. It's fucking Benny from Rent because fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I laughed so much I pulled my headphones off. <laughs> so, uh, Benny, Benny from Rent is your real, your your real <laughs> hidden number, top top number one. Yeah, I'm not going to go into it because I'm not allowed. But fuck Benny. Anyway, Ian, what's your top three? In third for me is Bane from Batman and Robin. I I am still comfortable that I could just about survive long enough to unplug him. But we need to be aware that he is not the the threat the name would deserve, and Batman and Robin should be ashamed of themselves. And as was taught to me, if Robin can do it, so can you, Ian. <laughs> Number two for me is going to be It from It, who would appear as a giant ventriloquist dummy spider, uh, just because as the 2019 film showed, it's just confidence and mockery, and I have that most of the time. <laughs> I and, just, just just like to point out that you don't have enough confidence to put that number one. But anyway, continue. Uh, well, no, it, it's it's not number one for me because for me, number one is the third right. I am very confident that they are not only the strongest movie villain in terms of sheer manpower, and you know iron force of will. But I'm also very confident that I could defeat them if I was charged with replacing Indiana Jones. I would do a better job of defeating the Third Reich than the main character in the film. So, that's my top three. And then the real number one is obviously uh, Mark and Roger from Rent, because they're absolute fuckwits. And you know how I could defeat them, <laughs> Ah, oh, black, okay. Black yeah, male, probably. Anyway, yes. But that's that's my top three. Bane, it, the Third Reich, which is a weird thing to say mm. like that. Bane, it, the Third Reich. Wouldn't even do that. I, I'd just beat them through sheer selfless force of will by staying at home. Um. Okay, so combined top three. That's why everyone's here. It's why people have listened to this podcast so far. That and <laughs> coercion. That and coercion. <laughs> so, what are you saying? I, I, I like, I like the Mandarin argument. I, I feel like we would be doing a lot of good if we, we took out. Or you're, you're not taking out Trevor, are you? You're kind of recruiting him into your own. You're using Trevor to, to take out the real Mandarin. Yeah, blowy guy. The, the real, not real Mandarin. The tangerine. So you're using the fake Mandarin to take out the. The, the faker Mandarin yeah. to take out the fake Mandarin who's hired the faker Mandarin to be the Mandarin. Cool. Easy. Easy. Exactly. So yeah. I like that. I like the logic behind it. Jack Torrance, I, I, I like the idea that, you know, just by using the equation he has set out himself <laughs> of what makes him, uh, what makes him go crazy, we could fix that. But I don't think it's as impressive as... I don't know, taking out some kind of crazy dimensional ventriloquist dummy spider. And I th I think I think we could both take him. I, I, so I this, think just through this was this was gonna be my point relating to it, was that I think it needs the two of us. Okay, well luckily it's a combined list, so <laughs> I can boom. But I said boom too many times on this episode. 
that's not something I really say. What do you mean? You say it all the time. It's because you're supremely confident, and you just you just whack out. Oh, yeah. You just whack out the booms. Yeah, true. <laughs> booms. Got booms all over the place, bro. But yeah, no, I, I think I think we could both take take it down. So I would have to coach you through the fact that Moomins are more scared of you than you are of them. Yeah. And ventriloquist dummies, you might just have to distract me a little bit and remind me that hey, you know what, Ian, this may be scary, but hey. Remember that time you took down the Third Reich? I'll be like, yeah, you know what, Graham? I did, didn't I? Remember that time we both took down the Third Reich by doing nothing? Remember that time all of us took down the Third Reich by doing nothing? You can be my uh, John Rhys Davies. It is John Rhys Davies, isn't it? Fuck it, you can be my Gimli when he's not a dwarf in Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be great. I'll, 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 I'll be Indy. You know, instead of going to like Nepal and Egypt and then some random island in... It's around Greece, I think. I can't remember. Is it in the Aegeanic? I don't know. No idea. Fuck it. They take the Ark somewhere, but we're not going to be there. It'll be great. We'll just go to the pub. We'll go back to Cardiff. It'll be great. Oh, travel. Ah, remember that? Pubs. Yep. Drinking heavily. Those heady, those heady days. Heady, heady days. But no, I, I am confident that me and you could defeat it. Yeah, I, I think so. I think between us, we, we've spent more than enough time deriding and mocking each other, that we just need to refocus that energy onto onto a, a Moomin spider ventriloquist dummy. I'm going to have terrible dreams about Moomin spiders tonight. Yeah, I, I'm worried that I've implanted, like, in, incepted that <laughs> into my own dreams. Yeah. But Bane and Cruella de Vil, I, I think we just leave them to their own devices. Someone will rescue those dogs. Bane will probably end up knocking that <laughs> knocking the pump out of his head at some point anyway. Yeah. Because like I said, he is completely witless in it. Well surely he has to take it out like to sleep. I'm not sure he would sleep necessarily. Like you said, he's just he's just a bit moldy. Yeah, true. Like, I I think it just keep, kind of keeps him pumped the whole time. Ferments. You said ferment like it was a weird like aftershave ferment. <laughs> ferment. Ferment. Ferment by Bane. Ferment. <laughs> So we're saying the Mandarin. We're saying it. Mm. So, as always, it comes down to Jack Torrance or the Third Reich. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I, I don't disagree that we could both do nothing and take out the Third Reich. But we could also both binge watch The Office and take well, yeah, out Jack true. Torrance. Jack Torrance is less of a threat to civilization, I suppose. He's just a threat to himself and his family. How about. This secret alternate option. <laughs> if we go it, yep. number one, because as a single entity, that is by far the strongest thing on our list. Yeah, I would say so, yeah. The Mandarin, because of the, you know, the fact we are stopping global terrorism and that looks great on a CV. Mm -hmm. Plus he can breathe fire. Yeah, exactly. Uh, three Jack Torrance. Right. Because he is a very famous movie villain. You know, we're, we're, it might not be strong in terms of, you know, physical and mental and stuff, but in terms of sheer iconic, you know, it looks good for us taking out Jack Torrance, I think. Um, but then again, a child did. Yeah, but... A, a, ma a magical child. A, ma a, mag a magical a child. possessed child. Well, actually, I guess by not putting the... Nazis on the list, we're technically ignoring them even more and therefore taking them out. 
there we go. So that 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 is my secret alternate option: <laughs> is we we throw in like not not even it will be a strong honorable mention of fucking hell that. We'll have to come up with another word, a dishonourable mention. Dishonourable. I think that's a, a dis- much better way of phrasing it. Yeah. We have a dishonourable mention of the Third Reich because, like you said, by focusing on killing a giant Moomin ventriloquist dummy spider, by focusing on stamping out terrorism in the MCU, by focusing on saving uh, Jack Torrance's family, we would also be defeating the Nazis. Yeah. Because we're we're just leaving it be, and so really, the third Reich is first, second, and third. I'm 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 okay with this. Cool. I mean, I I don't know about you, but I definitely want <laughs> all this talk has made me want to go to the gym. So maybe if we ever come back to this episode, I can actually talk. You know what? I could take that guy because. <laughs> I'd be doing all this shit rather than just yeah. No, I'm going to do nothing, and I'm going to fucking save the world. Yeah, I'd I'd like to feel in the physical condition that I could take one of these villains out by like actually standing up to them rather than dialing the RSPCA. Yeah, and really, you know, we'll we'll that that's the we'll make like a motivational poster of it that you can hang up in like a home <laughs> gym. Okay, so the podcast nobody asked for is. Top three strongest movie villains we could defeat are number three, Jack Torrance from The Shining and The Third Reich. Number two is the Mandarin, brackets, the fake Mandarin who is actually glowy Guy Pierce in Iron Man 3, and The Third Reich. And number one is It from uh, the 2019 version of It and The Third Reich. So if you agree with our choices and the dramatic logical leaps that I took in getting there, you can find us on Instagram at the podcast nobody asked for. And you can also buy us a coffee at coffee.com forward slash the podcast nobody asked for. And if you want to message us on Twitter about which one of us you think you could defeat most easily, do so at nobody asked for pod with the number four. And you can also tell us about it on Facebook as well. Same. Yep. And uh, rate us on Apple Podcast and in your review, put down any future episode ideas you have and we will start recording the best ones. So that was an interesting one. I feel like that podcast is going to haunt my dreams for the foreseeable future, mm-hmm. which is exactly why we started this in the first place. I'm just off to raid my board game cabinet and in preparation for paying Jack Morrison visit. I can see throw through. I think he'd enjoy throw through burrito. Ugh, no one asked for this.